0: So you know your charger that's plugged into the wall? It's still using energy, even though it's not attached to a phone. Um, that's not my charger. I don't even have a cell phone. Mmm, you know what? I'll just unplug it. I'm busy. I'll call you back. Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse? Learn more at loseyourexcuse.gov.
1: Do you want to make a New Year's resolution this year that's easier than dropping pounds? You can drop your water use with just three simple steps. Just check, twist, and replace. Check toilets for silent leaks, twist on a faucet aerator, or replace an old water-hogging showerhead with a WaterSense labeled one. Resolve to save water and money in 2013. Take the I'm for Water pledge on the EPA WaterSense Facebook page or visit epa.gov WaterSense. All right, what do we got first today? All right, uh, we're going to break down this Justin Upton trade that could have been. Uh, Justin Upton invoked his no trade clause to reject a proposed deal to the Mariners, one of four teams on his no trade list. The trade would have sent four players to Arizona. Nick Franklin, shortstop, Charlie Furbush, left handed pitcher, Steven Pryor, right handed reliever, and top prospect Taiwan Walker. Instead Upton remains on the Diamondbacks roster and the rumors continue.
2: Yeah, he's on the roster for now. Uh I'm actually, you know, it's kind of not. it's it's a jerk move. Uh <laughs> We're one of four teams. It's us, Toronto, the Red Sox, and the Cubs.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting list of four. I mean, I can understand Justin Upton not wanting to come here. We're not a good team. We're not going to win really anytime soon with him or without him.
2: We're not a good team, and we're not a good hitter's park.
1: No, I mean, even with the fences coming in,
2: it's not. It's still not going to be a hitter's park. No, but but the you know rejecting a trade. It's out there now that it's. Kind of proven that players don't want to come here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw Josh Hamilton. You know, we were in the mix for him up until real late. We decided to go to a better team with a better hitters park. Yeah, I mean, uh, both Anaheim and Safeco Field are more pitcher friendly.
2: Anaheim's pitcher friendly at night. Well, I mean, anywhere the ball's a pretty big hitters park during the day.
1: In the day, just about anywhere. Yeah, but well. I don't know, we've, we've seen plenty of hitters, you know, turn down chances. We offered Swisher. I mean, right. we did get Kendris Morales, but that wasn't his choice. That was a trade. Yeah.
2: So, despite me not liking that he rejected the deal, I'm really glad he did. That, you know, that's too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a... I mean, we are so deep, pitching-wise. You know, I'm fine giving up Nick Franklin. We got... You know, three really solid young shortstops, including Franklin, with Carlos Trienfell and Brad Miller. Right. So, but I'm I would be fine
2: with it being Franklin. I'm fine with Pryor. I'm fine with Furbish. It's Taiwan Walker, our top prospect, the number 20 prospect overall in baseball.
1: Higher than that, isn't he?
2: No, I think I don't. I don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure he's 20.
1: I mean, he's he's up there. He's one of the better prospects in baseball at this point.
2: You're, I, yeah, you're totally right. He is way higher than that. I um, thought it was like number four. Yeah, I'm getting mixed up with some other stuff I've read. Um, yeah, he, he's top five. I was wrong. Um, if you take out Walker, I'm fine with it. I'm even fine if you put in Holtson or James Paxton, but we need to keep... Tywan Walker, he's too good.
1: No, I could see... I, You know, I see why Zarensic put this deal on the table. I mean, Justin Upton is a franchise-changing player, but you can see the same thing with Taiwan with Walker. I mean... Right,
2: I mean, Tywan Walker has a legitimate... Or, he has legitimate potential to be a number one guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's literally our best prospect. I mean, Holtson, I can see why they'd be you know, a little bit slow to trade him since he was such a high draft pick. Taiwan Walker, number four prospect yep. in baseball.
2: Yep. So, I mean, I can see why they'd be a little against trading Holtson, especially because he's going to be major league ready a lot faster than Walker. Holtson might be in the league next year. Walker's probably not for two, maybe three years. Uh, but Walker has so much more potential. Walker yeah. Walker is twenty. Holtson, I think is twenty three.
1: Yeah, I mean Walker was a high school guy in California. Danny Holtson pitched at the University of Virginia.
2: Right. So, and even though Walker's three, maybe four years younger, I'm not quite sure. He has so much more potential. He's better. He's fluid with his delivery. Yeah, his
1: delivery is real smooth. I got a chance to to watch some film on you know the top three Paxton, uh, Walker, and Holtson. And Taiwan Walker was so smooth that he's a big, real lanky kid. He's about six four, skinny. But the fastball in the upper nineties, the curveball right. has so much break to it, very sharp.
2: I mean, it's it's ridiculous that, you know, someone who looks so fluid and the ball just pops out of his hand, upper nineties.
1: Yeah, and then you see Danny Holson, who's a lefty who throws mid nineties, has real good stuff, but the delivery is, is pretty herky jerky and he comes in left-handed from a three-quarter arm slot, it just doesn't look incredibly repeatable.
2: Right. This is a little bit off-topic, but I just got some breaking news via ESPN text that Chip Kelly is going to leave Oregon and become the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Wow. That is uh, breaking news here on M&K in the Midday. Chip Kelly going to the Eagles. Um, So,
2: that... That could mean yeah. something for Oregon.
1: Yeah, we should probably take a quick break, gather some information on this breaking news story, and we'll be right back.
0: Wee oui, wee oui, hello. Jean-Pierre here. And when I am not eating my baguettes or drinking the coffee, I am listening here to 89.9 KASB Bellevue. This is Glenn Fry. The Eagles have been on tour all over the world, and it's always good to come back home. You should know that the rules for crossing the border are changing, and we want all of you who cross the border for business or for fun to be sure to have everything you need to get home efficiently. You can learn about your document options under the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative by visiting www.getyouhome.gov. Travel safe, have fun, and take it easy.
2: And we're back. So, right before that break, uh, breaking news, Chip Kelly leaving Oregon to go to be the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, this could be... This is... This is this is huge. Yeah. This could be a sign something maybe is up at Oregon. Ooh, maybe. yeah, I
1: didn't even think about that. I mean, it's, but, it's shocking, especially after Chip Kelly said he was going to go back to Oregon.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything, a lot of there was a lot of conversation on ESPN why yesterday why you know about how the both Kelly's chip and Brian were going to stay in college you know that because they chip Kelly had announced that he's going to stay at Oregon
1: yeah I mean if I'm an Oregon fan right now I'm, I'm going mad. to I'm gonna be pissed I mean chip you Kelly swore. you swore you swore what
2: you can't say uh never mind keep going you're going to be very mad
1: yeah, I mean Chip Kelly has taken taken you to a BCS bowl, you know, four times every year.
2: Right, every I am... year
1: that he's been at Oregon. So I mean, it's it's groundbreaking.
2: Another another big thing coming out of this is Gus Bradley, the Seahawks defensive coordinator, was likely going to take that job.
1: Yeah, I mean he he went back for a second interview to discuss contracts
2: so this this could mean Gus Bradley staying with Seattle
1: yeah I mean it's likely I I know he also interviewed in San Diego
2: but that job's taken
1: yeah San Diego just hired uh, Mike McCoy the Denver Broncos offensive coordinator now uh Oregon has said that offensive coordinator Mark Helfrich will take over as the head coach if Chip Kelly leaves So now that's likely to happen. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles, you know, you got to wonder with the Eagles team right now. I mean, they fired Andy Reid after, you know, over 10 years of service as the head coach. You got to think, are they going to keep Michael Vick? Because you figure Michael Vick in Chip
2: Kelly's offense.
1: Yeah, would make a lot of sense. But Michael Vick is also very injury prone, turns the ball over a lot. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, this is on the wake of, you know, seeing Colin Kaepernick succeed so much. Russell Wilson, Robert Griffin III, scrambling quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks with legs.
2: It's becoming a common thing. Yeah, I mean, the offense. A lot of young guys. Yeah, The only real young guy that doesn't do it is Andrew Luck.
1: Well, and also Ryan Tannehill. But those guys aren't slow. I mean, Ryan Tannehill played wide receiver at Texas A&M.
2: right. I mean Ryan Tannehill.
1: I mean they're bigger guys. Isn't they, good. <laughs> Tannehill he played better than I expected him to, but we see the gap between a college offense and an NFL offense getting smaller and smaller every year, and that's why we see these rookies, guys like Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin the Third, you know, this great rookie class. That's why we've seen them succeed so much, right? And this just continues it.
2: Especially and even look back one year, you get Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, in the same draft.
2: So it's it's becoming you know it used to be that you wouldn't the scrambling quarterbacks wouldn't do much in the pros because you needed to be a, a good pocket passer Yeah, a, drop back,
1: a typical Tom Brady, Peyton Manning drop back passer.
2: Right, and that gap is it's changing.
1: It yeah, it really is. I mean, I'd be interested to see where Philadelphia goes in their future. I mean, they they're a quick offense with LaShawn McCoy and Deion Lewis as running backs. Also got a Washington guy Chris Polk in the mix there. Oh yes. I mean, I'm. I was disappointed when Chip Kelly said he would leave, or excuse me, said he would stay at Oregon. Because I mean, yes, I want to see Oregon go down the toilet, but I also want to see what Chip Kelly's offense would do. I mean, we see teams like New England, Baltimore, running no huddle offenses. Chip Kelly is, you know,
2: is no huddle.
1: Yeah, he's, you know, he popularized the the no huddle
2: of his offense.
1: I mean, being at Oregon, like. They, he just changed Oregon so quickly. I mean, Mike Bellotti had them, they were a good team. Chip Kelly made them great pretty quickly. But I'm going to be interested to see, he's lost seven games in his career as a head coach. I'm going to be interested to see how he takes failure.
2: Yeah, because you're not going to... No,
1: you're going to lose probably seven games at least in your first season. Probably. Now as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach.
2: Right. Speaking of futures for NFL teams... If Gus Bradley stays here in Seattle, that could be great. Our defense is very good, except it seemed like we weren't at the end, because that's kind of what let us down. But our defense was one of our best assets the entire year, and a large part of that is Gus Bradley.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, it's our personnel is is very good. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Clemens, Brandon Meebane, guys like that on the, on the defensive line are linebackers. Bobby Wagner is so young. Leroy Hill.
2: There's a large and potential. And the, the
1: secondary is just is ridiculous. Browner, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman. And they're all so young. I mean, yeah, if we lose Gus Bradley, that would hurt. But...
2: I think the question would be less of... Or not... You know, the, the change would be less of losing Gus Bradley and who we would bring in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you got to think we'd bring in somebody internally. I mean, because our system, the system in place seems to be working. I don't think we would bring in somebody else, you know, from somewhere else. Just because everything works so well, you know, our 4-3, our base 4-3 defense is very good.
2: Right, but if, if say, we did bring someone from you know, someone that isn't here now. If we bring someone else in and they try to change it, how how much that would hurt us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard uh, Ken Norton Jr., a linebackers coach, his name being thrown around as somebody who could step up and take that defensive coordinator role. Now, on the offensive side, Daryl Bevel interviewed for the Chicago job, but they made an interesting hire <laughs> right. today, hi- hiring Mark Trestman, the Montreal Alouettes head coach in the CFL. Now, to me, the Alouette sounds like a women's tennis team name, <laughs> not a football team name.
2: It's okay that they're French.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I just, it's an interesting, interesting hire. You know, to take somebody from the CFL, he does have NFL experience, was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco for a couple of years uh, in the Steve Young days. But you fire Lovey Smith after a ten and six season, and then I, you bring yeah, in somebody from the CFL. I'm just I'm just confused as to I know,
2: never quite understood why they fired Lovey Smith. Ten and six isn't bad.
1: No, I mean they made a decent point. You know, failure to move the ball on offense, and failure and, to
2: close the deal. because yeah, I mean they, they were kind of winning their division for a good amount of time.
1: Yeah, they had a six and two start, and then they just went down the tank. But um, so it, it's just weird. I mean, Tressman was one of the best coaches in the CFL, winning back-to-back Grey Cups, sixty-four and thirty-four career record in five years. But
2: but the CFL is not the NFL.
1: No, it's not. It's pretty drastically different. I mean, I understand it's football, and I hear this guy, you know, is a great motivator.
2: But even even just the rules are yeah, different. Yeah, the rule. You Let play, alone
1: there are three downs. Are the Bears going to, you know, send out Adam Podlesh on third down to punt the ball away? I mean, you he gonna get confused? Our special
2: teams, it's so bad they punt on third down. I mean, it um,
1: it's weird. You uh, know, the rule it's so drastically different. Like hiring a college coach like Chip Kelly and bringing him to the NFL is fine because there are only you know minor rule differences.
2: Right, like you know down by contact instead of just down by yeah and touchback touch at the you know, twenty-five stuff of, uh, stuff like it's that. Stuff it's, that doesn't matter. It's small stuff, but with the CFL, not only the rule changes are so incredibly different. But the skill level, the CFL is where you send the guys that can't play in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, the rare exception, you know, we saw John Snyder pull Brandon Browner from the Canadian or, Football uh, League. Uh, Warren Moon, is that who you're going for? Nope. Uh, well, Warren Moon played in the CFL, had a very successful Was NFL Arizona career. a quarterback?
2: Who am I thinking of? Kurt Warner? Yes. Kurt Didn't Warner,
1: he... no, he played in the Arena League. Oh, never mind. But... I mean, that w- it's similar to hiring an arena football coach. It's just so different. I could see this guy being under very heavy scrutiny if he messes up. I Which,
2: mean, realistically.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have Jay Cutler. You're going to lose games.
2: This <laughs> is how this works. Jay I mean, Cutler loses games for you. That That's not saying Jay Cutler is bad. He's a very talented quarterback, but he he messes things up.
1: Uh, Tressman was also the head coach, or not the head coach, was a coach on the staff of the 2002 Raiders that went to the Super Bowl, coached Rich Gannon, who won the MVP, also coached Jake Plummer. I mentioned Steve Young. Um,
2: so he has NFL experience.
1: Yeah, he has NFL experience, but, you know, how do you, why did he go to the CFL is what I want to know. You know, if you're such a talented offensive coach, why don't you stay in the NFL? You know, be a coordinator. Somewhere. Something, I mean, there's always offensive coordinator wrong. jobs open.
2: Something went wrong. Yeah, I just... And we, we don't know what it is, but...
1: I'm going to be very interested to see see how this goes.
2: Yeah, this will be, be interesting.
1: I mean, we heard him rumored for the Buffalo job, but it's but Buffalo. Buffal-
2: but Buffalo's a lot closer to Canada.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Buffalo has the <laughs> Canadian connection. I mean, we played <laughs> Buffalo in Toronto. You know, maybe they were just doing it as a courtesy. You know, I mean, maybe this guy could be a respectable head coach. We'll at least interview him.
2: Just to see.
1: I mean, it's Buffalo. You don't expect The Buffalo job lot. is still open, right? Buffalo, yeah, is still open. No, no, Doug Maroney, Syracuse head coach, right went there. So, so uh, jobs that are still open. Cleveland has been filled. Rob Chudzinski, offensive coordinator formerly of Carolina, took that job. San so Diego just got filled.
2: Cleveland's been filled. San Diego got filled. Chicago got filled. Philadelphia has been filled. Buffalo's been filled.
1: Uh, the Bears just got fit. so. It was I, it yeah. Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard anything for Jacksonville. No,
1: I mean they recently fired Mike Malarkey. He wasn't a Black Monday. Right. A uh, firing. They're uh, going through a whole new front office, so we'll see. I mean, who they bring in. I haven't heard a whole lot. I mean, why would you want to go to Jacksonville? <laughs> Arizona is still open.
2: Right. Right. So I mean, there's not a whole lot left.
1: No, I mean. These hirings are real subtle.
2: Arizona and Jacksonville. Yeah, those are... That's it. Those are the only head coaching jobs open.
1: Why would you want to go to either of them? (laughs) Like, look, it's a quarterback's league and we see Arizona's quarterbacks, you know, the carousel of John Skelton, Kevin Cobb, Ryan Lindley did, you know, absolutely nothing.
2: Arizona's obviously looking for a quarterback this offseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've... They've tried. You give them credit. I mean, they brought in Kevin Cobb. They traded for him uh, from Philadelphia. Right. I mean, they tried with John Skelton. That was a third-round draft pick. Oh, yes. I mean, they've...
2: Same same round as Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, Uh,
1: you can pull good quarterbacks out of, you know, the second and third round. It's just a lot harder.
2: Right. So they're obviously looking for a quarterback this offseason. There are going to be a couple top quarterbacks available. Uh... Alex Smith realistically won't go to Arizona, but an example of a top-of-the-line quarterback.
1: Well, Smith very well could be available.
2: I, I think he'll be available. I don't think that San Francisco will trade him in the division.
1: No, but uh, still, I mean, Jacksonville is somewhat desirable going back to the open jobs. I mean, Chad Henney played all right, you know, maybe as a transition quarterback, use him for a year, because this is a very weak very, draft class in terms weak. of quarterbacks. They have... You know, respectable skill players, Maurice Jones-Drew, running back, Justin if, Blackman.
2: If Maurice Jones-Drew signs again.
1: No, they re-signed him. Did they? I believe so.
2: They're, I remember. Oh, yeah. yeah, they did.
1: Yeah, I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew, very talented running back, Justin Blackman, is a good rookie receiver, started to figure it out towards the end of the year.
2: Bro, Blaine Gabbert.
1: Yeah, well, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert's done. <laughs> He's awful. Blaine Gabbert
2: so bad is
1: it's just awful the fact that he even was drafted in the first round is almost makes a mockery of the NFL draft because he was just terrible.
2: I just remembered quarterbacks that are probably going to be available Mark Sanchez realistically
1: yeah I mean it, it just depends on what the Jets do front office wise I mean they're like begging people to come be the general manager I mean if they gave me a phone call I would probably go be the GM of the Jets I'd do it. I mean, I'd probably get fired after two years because it's a, it's a very tough place to succeed.
2: I'd probably get fired after three days. <laughs> so I would automatically like just force Tim Tebow to be a fullback.
1: Well, I probably, I probably can Rex Ryan. Right. Because there's some uh, systematic things that we don't agree on.
2: Right. This is interesting. <laughs> uh, what what would you do if you were a GM? Just different situations, trades you would make. You know,
1: well, let's say let's say I'm the GM of the Jets. All right. Honestly, this year you can't do a whole lot. I mean, the owner is already backing Rex Ryan. Right. So Ryan's gonna stay there for at least one more year. I mean, the combination of Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez got you to two AFC championship games. It did in their first two years.
2: But so did their defense.
1: Yeah, the defense is very good, getting a little older. I and mean, if I was the GM of the Jets, I would get Quicker on offense. Their offense is very slow. I mean, they have a a classic grind it out kind of attack. You know, with Sean Green running between the tackles. Mark Sanchez is a drop back passer.
2: Which is what uh, Rex Ryan said he doesn't want to do next year. He said he wants to, you know, advance with the league, get faster. Yeah, get faster. Be more of a passing team.
1: Right now I'm looking at a mock draft that currently has them drafting Ezekiel Ansah defensive out of end, outside linebacker from yeah, BYU. Yeah. A rush and this guy is a very interesting story. There's a Sports Illustrated feature on him a couple uh couple weeks ago. He's a African kid went to BYU to play basketball but got cut after his first year. He's very big. So it's one of his friends like try out for the football team. You know, he's been playing football for only a couple years. And this kid's I mean he's projected he's very high. Fantastic. Um so, you can't do anything with the quarterback position this year, but you got a potentially very good draft class, depending on, you know, decisions. Who, who, comes, who comes out. Who comes man. out. Johnny Manziel would be draft eligible. Also, Teddy Bridgewater would be a junior. I mean, those are guys that, you know, if Mark Sanchez, you got to give him another year because you, you can't do anything. Alex Smith isn't going to be any better. You know, Geno Smith. Well. Alex Smith is...
2: He's better than Sanchez. Alex I Smith throws accurate passes.
0: Okay. So
1: I don't Alex Smith, the most of the degree of his success is due to Jim Harbaugh. Probably. You know, schematically, him and Harbaugh link up system. real well. The changing of the system would not do a whole lot. So I would say if I was got hired to be the GM of the Jets, you know, you gotta wait it out for a year. I mean, assume that it's not going to go very well. Right. Fire Rex Ryan, you know, be working on acquiring a quarterback. I mean, I wish it was as easy as it was on Madden to just trade for a quarterback, but it's not.
2: (laughs) I got to say, I think the most important thing to do if you're hired as the GM of the Jets this offseason is to find out where you can get as much back for Tim Tebow as possible.
1: I mean, right now you're not going to get a whole lot. I think, I mean, I really like Tebow. I think he's a great leader. The quarterback skills just aren't there. And I think the league is starting to realize that efficiency is more the way to go. And Tim Tebow is a very inefficient passer. We saw that completion percentage, you know, below 50%. I mean, yeah, he led some great fourth quarter comebacks and you got to figure somebody's going to take a chance on him with such a weak quarterback class. I mean, Jacksonville has already come out and said that they see it as very unrealistic, you know, to get a homecoming for Tim Tebow, have him play, in you know, Florida, close to home. Right. But, you know, you figure somebody in a transition year, you some, know, a somebody, why not.
2: Somebody needs that leadership.
1: I see Arizona as a decent place for that. I mean, Arizona is such... So awful. Is a terrible job. You see very minimal room for improvement, like, right away. Right now, I mean, the Seahawks are very good. This is one of the most talented Seahawks teams I've seen, and the potential is just going up. We lose really nobody. We don't lose a single starter to free agency, other than Steven Hauschka. No. His contract is up. But, I mean, we signed Ryan Longwell. So I, I, don't, no. I don't know what's going to happen on that front. We lose guys like draft a kicker in the Marcus first round. Trufant, Chris Maragos, Jason Jones. You know, defensive backups. Old guys. Uh, yeah, everybody is coming back. San Francisco. is Jason
2: Jones a starter?
1: Jay um yeah, he's seen time starting on at defensive tackle, but right. no real impact players are lost. Let's let's just draft a
2: kicker in the first round.
1: And then <laughs> and then San Francisco. <laughs> I mean we see them Sorry. in the NFC championship game. They're also a very young team with Colin Kaepernick. Frank Gore isn't young, His but old. they got guys, you know, waiting in the wings like Kendall Hunter, Lamichael James, guys that are very quick. Young at receiver with Michael Crabtree, Vernon Davis. Their defense is very good. St. Louis even began to show some signs of improvement. Saint I mean, Br-
2: they only lost one game in the division. Yeah, they and were. It was to very, us Yeah, they lost
1: to us week seventeen at home in they Seattle. They tied San Francisco, and then they beat them. I mean, St. Louis is the team that showed great improvement in the second half of the season. Sam Bradford is very good within that offense. I think he's finally starting to get comfortable. You know, getting a little bit of consistency. With his offensive coordinators. And Arizona is not going to go anywhere. I mean, we saw them in the Super Bowl two years ago. And if San Francisco wins on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, that'll be every team in the NFC West will have gone to a Super Bowl in the 2000s. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Rams early on with Kurt Warner. Seahawks in 05. 05. Cardinals 2009 with Kurt Warner.
2: And then San Francisco.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean... It's gonna to be tough, so why not take a chance on Tim Tebow? Get your fans excited because they're gonna hire somebody that's yeah, right. not probably not gonna be great. If I'm Lovey Smith, I probably sit out of here because I don't want to go to Jacksonville or Arizona, even though Jacksonville has shown that they have a little bit of talent, but it's still you know a full it's transition. An awful job. Yeah, and it's also in a tough division with Houston and Indianapolis. Right. I mean, Tennessee doesn't look great, so maybe you can be third. Maybe. But uh, it's it's going to be tough. You know, whoever Arizona hires, I know most of their guys are gone. I mean, Ken Wizenhunt. there was no way he was going to survive a nine-game losing streak. I think Ken Wisenhunt is a very good defensive coach. I don't know if, you know, the offense was anemic, really. I mean, they don't, other than Larry Fitzgerald. They don't really have anything. No, and Fitzgerald had an awful year because there was nobody to throw to him. Right. And he was really the only target they had.
2: It's pretty easy to defend when there's only one guy they're gonna throw to.
1: Yeah, I mean just get a corner to press him and you know, creep your safety over yep, to the sideline right. and you're gonna you're gonna take him out most of the time because John Skelton, Kevin Cobb, Ryan Lindley couldn't get in the ball anyways. No.
2: All right. I think we should take a break. When we come back we'll probably do more of if I'm a GM, but I think we'll be transitioning into baseball. This is M and K in the midday on eighty nine point nine K A S B Bellevue. Howdy, y'all, it's bear fry again. Do you know those days where you just can't do anything right? Do you know those days where you're asleep and fall and everybody laughs
0: at you? Do you know those days where you just want to crawl up into field position and cry? Do you know those days where you realize that, hey, you're 48 and you're still living in your parents' basement? I don't. But if I did, I'd be listening to a 89.9 KSB Bellevue because they just brighten up my day when
2: I'm feeling so bad that I'm compelled to become a world-class squirrel reader. Huh? Like I said before, I'm Barry Pratt and I love squirrels. So listen to
0: 89.9 KSB Bellevue and feel the power of enlightenment. Later, much later, we heard something. We didn't breathe for listening. Then footsteps on the back porch, creeping, then more confident. After all, nobody was home. A hand closed on the knob on the screen door to the kitchen and found it latched. We heard a little sawing sound as a file began to slice through the screen wire. Grandma reached down for something in her sewing basket. Through the darkness, I managed to notice Grandma's rocker was rocking and she wasn't in it. She was standing over me. Keep just behind me, she whispered. I followed her across the room into the kitchen. Now we were by the door and I heard the scuffle of heavy feet in there on the crinkly linoleum. Grandma turned back to me. Under my nose, she struck a wooden match with her thumbnail. She touched the match to something in her other hand. It sizzled. Then she leaned down and rolled it into the invisible kitchen. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book A Long Way From Chicago by Richard Peck. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
1: All right, you're listening to M&K in the Midday here on 89.9 FM KASB Bellevue. Going to dive into some baseball now. Uh, We mentioned the segment, if I was a GM, you know, we're going to be taking the place in the front office of some professional franchise and implementing moves that we think would be best. So I'll take the role now of general manager of the New York Mets, Sandy Alderson. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to sign Brian Wilson. The Mets have struggled in their bullpen. You know, Francisco Rodriguez, we saw the rise and fall of him. You know, was very good with the Angels really struggled in pretty much his whole tenure with the Mets, I and mean, when we saw him eventually get traded to Milwaukee, they've struggled to fill that void. Now, Brian Wilson, somebody coming off of two Tommy John surgeries, had one in 03, and then just had one this last season after making two appearances for the San Francisco Giants. Now, Tommy John surgeries aren't as much of a big deal you know, as, the, as they've been in the past, it's not unheard of to come off of one pretty quickly. I mean, even if it is your second one. I mean, Brian Wilson in 2010 literally carried the Giants to the World Series. He's one of the best closers in the game. Right now, Frank Francisco listed as the closer. Also, Bobby Parnell is somebody who saw some action in the ninth inning. But if I'm Sandy Alderson, you got to improve that bullpen. I mean, we've heard rumors of them trying to go after Justin Upton. You know, if you're going to be legitimate and, you know, try to make a run of a superstar player, I mean, we've seen him lose Jose Reyes, lose Carlos Beltran, re-sign David Wright, which I think was a great move. But Frank Francisco, somebody who appeared in 48 games with a 5.5 ERA, 23 saves last year, that's not going to get the job done in a very competitive NL East. I mean, with um, the Nationals, they just made, a, made an addition that we'll talk about a little later in the Braves. Also, very good. You look at their back end with Kimbrell and Johnny Venters. You got to get better in the bullpen. We've seen teams that have come out of nowhere, or not not necessarily come out of nowhere, but teams like last year, Oakland, Baltimore, Washington. That's a well, Oakland and Baltimore were out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean teams that well, Baltimore you could see coming a little bit. Oakland
2: was expected to be the
1: worst. Yeah, team no, in I baseball. know Oakland was. <laughs> but you know the biggest part in their rise last year was bullpen. I mean, Baltimore won 18 consecutive extra innings games. You don't do that without a good bullpen. No. You need a good bullpen now in baseball to succeed.
2: All right. I will be taking the job of Jack Zarenzik of the Mariners. First of all, I need to know I'm on the hot seat. All right. If I don't make any big moves this year, if I don't do anything big, I'm gone. First of all, Stop going after pitchers. Our rotation isn't great right now. But we were in talks for Rick Porcello yesterday. and Really? We, yeah.
1: Huh. That would be an interesting move. But
2: And there have been other talks for pitchers, for starting pitchers. We don't need more pitchers. We're not going to win next year if we get another starting pitcher. You know, Rick Porcello is not going to win us 20 games. If Felix can't win us 20 games. That's not how it's going to work. Stop going after pitchers, start getting real hitters. You know, go after actual hitters in trades. Don't just, you know, sign Jason Bay and Raul Lebanez. You know, Kendris Morales. I liked that deal. It's a good good quality hitter if he can be good coming off of another
1: injury. Well, hold on, let me interrupt you for a second. What's wrong with a with really a no-risk, two-no-risk deals bringing in Raul and Jason Bay? I
2: don't have any problem with the deal. I have a problem with they are both guys that haven't... Well, I can't say Raul didn't produce last year. He was very good in small quantities. Jason Bay wasn't worth crap.
1: No, I mean, Jason Bay battled injuries. I know he had some problems with his ribs. Right. But if you if you get a guy like Jason Bay, he puts up a respectable first half, hits like 270, 12 home runs, You know, trade him at the deadline for a B or C rate prospect. You call that a success.
2: What I'm saying is that we need to get after, you know, a trading for a real hitter. All right. We're not going to trade Taiwan Walker. I know he was in a deal, uh, a proposed deal that was actually accepted by Arizona. We can't do that. He is our top prospect. He is out of our best, like our big three pitchers. He is the one with the potential. So put Holtz and, and Paxton in the deals. All right. Mix them with our other top prospects like Nick Franklin or Charlie Furbish, Stephen Pryor, uh, True and Fell. You know, get those guys mixed together a deal and go after real hitters.
1: All right. Let me put you in a uh, in the office of Eric Wedge real quick for a second, manager of the Mariners. What's your rotation?
2: Probably Felix. Sorry. Hold on. Pro- uh, that was a. I got a text from ESPN. It was a confirmation from the Eagles.
1: So Chip Kelly is going to the Eagles. We official. already talked about that. Right,
2: It's official now. So my rotation, Felix, Iwakuma, Bevan, Erasmo Ramirez, Hector Noesi, maybe Danny Holton. just seeing how he does in camp, you know, a mixture out of those three. You know, Erasmo and Hector Noesi didn't really do very well last year. They're What's both wrong fair- with
1: Erasmo? I thought Erasmo had a pretty, pretty respectable At the end. Season there.
2: At the end, he did.
1: Yeah, I mean, Noesi was pretty awful
2: They're both very young with very good stuff.
1: Well, yeah, Erasmo Ramirez last year on opening day was the youngest player to make an opening day roster.
2: Right. So, you know, give them both the year of experience from last year, get Hector Noesi his confidence, and get him some consistency, and he can be very good. All right, I I understand that that's not a good rotation, but what we need to realize is one pitcher, maybe even two starting pitchers, are not going to make our season next year. We're no. not going to win next year.
1: But what about a potential innings eater, somebody to maybe play a Kevin Millwood role, you know, bringing in somebody like that, a, uh, you know, a minor league deal with an invite. You know, we saw we did that with uh, Jeremy Bonderman. Right. He's somebody that could come in and eat innings because Heckner Noesi is not going to last a whole season and i don't really think Erasmo ramirez will either
2: no i don't think they will but that's why you know holton will be called up in september maybe paxton probably not walker uh you know and uh sweet i can't remember what his name is there was a guy who looked really good in spring training started the season in triple a had pretty good numbers
1: uh, what position are we talking? Starter, starting pitcher.
2: Yeah, can't remember what his name is, but he had pretty good numbers last year in A. Caraway, yes,
1: Andrew Caraway, right-handed pitcher.
2: Right, uh, he looked really good last spring. Started in AAA, had a respectable season.
1: Could call him up if he does well
2: again. You know, we have pitching.
1: All right, so Jack, what is a move you would make today? You mentioned bringing in hitters, like like who? Who was somebody? that's on the market right now that you would bring in.
2: All right, give me a second. I have to think this up. Okay, so I'm going to mix together, you know, basically the package we put in for Justin Upton without Walker. Just going to put in Paxton. So it's still Nick Franklin, Charlie Furbish, Stephen Pryor, James Paxton. All right, that's the deal I'm sending out. You know, I could go unrealistic and say, oh, Robinson Cano, but no, that's completely unrealistic. Something I would consider, I've heard rumors that something maybe the Yankees would want to do is a deal structured kind of like that, kind of like the deal we sent to Arizona for Curtis Granderson. We send that deal to New York, then New York sends those prospects to Arizona for Justin Upton, who cannot reject a trade to New York. I I think that would be a great deal for us to send maybe Franklin Pryor Furbish Paxton for Curtis Granderson.
1: That's a I mean, that's a pretty good deal. But tell me why why would Arizona want another left handed pitcher when they had a rookie of the year candidate like Wade Miley, also somebody like Tyler Skaggs, a very highly regarded pitcher in their minor league system.
2: Why do we have to worry about what Arizona wants? This is going to New York.
1: Well, I mean, this is basically taking the shape of a three-way trade.
2: Basically, but...
1: I mean, you got to figure Arizona is going to be on the phone with Brian Cashman.
2: You would think so, but New York has pitching prospects.
1: I mean, they... Yeah, I mean, Dallin Betances, Manny Banuelos, two guys who are very good that struggled in the minor leagues last year, still pretty highly regarded prospects.
2: So maybe they take the Franklin, Furbish prior and then mix in one of their pitching prospects, keep Paxton in their system, send that package to Arizona for Upton.
1: All right. I mean that's a a semi realistic deal. What about free agency? Is there anybody out there that you would go for? No. Not even Michael Bourne?
2: No, I wouldn't touch Michael Bourne. What's your what's a, your, your case against <laughs>
1: what's your case <laughs> against Michael Bourne? He's arguably the best center fielder in baseball since two thousand
2: nine. Defensively, yeah. I totally agree. He's an amazing defensive center fielder, but he had a dip in... His, his production is stolen bases. That's what he's good for. And he had a dip in production last year. He'd, for the last three years before last year, he'd averaged over 50 stolen bases with an over 80% uh, success rate. Last year, he dipped down to under 50. I think he was in the 40s. He was at about 45, I think, with... Um uh, with about seventy five percent success. It's not a big dip, but when your production is one thing and that starts to decline, that's really bad. Plus he's a contact hitter who strikes out a lot.
1: What about Curtis Granderson's decline in production? I mean, we see his strikeout percentage go up, you know, significantly in the last three years, steady increase also a dip in on base percentage. What do you have to say about that?
2: I don't care about your strikeout rate if you're hitting home runs. Michael Bourne is a contact hitter. He's not going to hit you more than maybe five home runs in a season. If you're striking out as a contact hitter whose production is getting on base and stealing bases, then it's important that you're not even putting the ball in play. Because you know, the more you put the ball in play, the more... A guy makes an error, you get on base, you can steal second and third. If you're hitting home runs, I don't care. <laughs> Look at Adam Dunn. He's one of my favorite players. I would love trying to get him because he hits 40 home runs. I don't care that he strikes out 200 times. That doesn't make a difference to me if, you're, if your production is not reliant on you putting the ball in play.
1: All right, that's a fair point. All right, I'm going to take the seat of John Mazalak. St. Louis Cardinals GM, and I'm gonna resign Kyle Loesch. I agree. This guy, you know, with Carpenter getting old, I mean, we saw Wainwright coming off a of Tommy John surgery wasn't quite as good, you know, to start off with. Couldn't really handle the same workload. They weren't gonna rush him into it. Kyle Loesch was so good last year. Went 16 and three with a 2.86 ERA. 33 starts, 211 innings. Now, what's it going to take to sign somebody like this? He is a Scott Boris client. So a lot. I mean, a lot of money. But at this point, Scott Boris, he had a great quote the other day. You know, a lot of his clients, you know, he represents Michael Bourne, also Rafael Soriano, who just signed yesterday. His guys typically sign late, but his quote was, it doesn't matter what time you serve dinner at when you're at the stake. I mean, saying that his players are the best. And Scott Boris is somebody who's known for getting players, you know, one-year deals so they can go back on the market. We saw what he did with Edwin Jackson. Signed a one-year deal with the Washington Nationals and then signed a multi-year deal with the Cubs that turned out to be very beneficial for him. So take take a one-year flyer on Kyle Loesch. You know, Dan Heron signed for one year $13 million with Washington. It's going to take more than that, probably 16 to $18 million. That is so worth it for Kyle Loesch. Even if, you, you know, he's somebody who's moderately up there in age. He's 34 years old. He's been around the block. I mean, been in the league since 01. That's a pretty pretty long career. But take a chance on him. You know, you got young guys in your minor league system that we saw even pitching in the bullpen, Shelby Miller, Trevor Rosenthal, Joe Kelly.
2: But give them another yeah. year and another guy oh, to look up to.
1: Yeah, work into that. Kyle Loesch is a very smart pitcher. You know, we saw the influence of Dave Duncan on him when he came to St. Louis in 2008. His first year went 15 and 6. I mean.
2: All right. I've one more. One more. All I right. think you're going to like this one. I don't know. The name, but I will take the LA Angels', Angels GM position. Yeah, a, I'm blanking for, on who that is. Also, for a moment, the thing, the most important thing I need to do is trade Peter Borges. Get as yes. much get as much back You're for right, him like as I can one. right now. I don't exactly know what the Angels need. Probably prospects.
1: Uh, they could get, probably use. A back end arm, maybe some bullpen help.
2: Right. But trade Peter Borges and get as much back for him as you can right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, Peter Borges is arguably the fastest player in baseball.
2: And he's not going to play.
1: No, I mean, he's stuck. He was stuck last year once Trout came up behind Trout, Vernon Wells, Trumbo. Trumbo.
2: And now um, he's going to be stuck behind Trumbo, Trout, Josh Hamilton. Yeah. Like he's going to play when somebody needs a day off, which you know, admittedly might happen a lot with Josh Hamilton. But trade Peter Borges and get as much back as you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw him 2000, 2010 through 2012 has saved 34 runs in center field. Pretty good based on the fact that 2011 was really the only year he saw any kind of time. Real time. Yeah, I mean, we've seen you know, a lot of teams address needs in center field. Philadelphia went after Ben Revere. I mean, this is partially the reason why the market for Michael Bourne is, is so slow. Right, B. and B. why J. he's Upton, still even on the market. Yeah, B.J. Upton went to Atlanta. Um, Denard Spann went to the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a team like Miami. I, I see that as a beautiful fit. For Peter Borges, that center that field is ginormous, probably one of the biggest outfields in baseball. Peter Borges, someone with incredible range. You know, we see Mike Trout making a lot of flashy plays,
2: but Peter Borges just gets to the ball. He doesn't need Peter to make Borges it flashy. doesn't
1: need to make flashy plays. He is so good. I mean, Plus, maybe...
2: especially when he hits, he has good gap power. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not he's not you know big strong. He's not a great hitter. But he can hit it into the gap, no, and, and if that, he hits it into that right field gap, that's a lot of triples in
1: Miami. In 147 games in 2011, he hit 271. I mean, that's pretty respectable. Yeah. I mean, there's now with Morales gone, a potential scenario where you see Trumbo at first, Hamilton and left, Trout Pujols. in right. Ooh, Trumbo at DH is what I meant. Pujols at first, you get Hamilton and left, Borges and center. Um,
2: They're gonna play trout in center.
1: Yeah, most likely. I think Borges deserves a shot in center field. I don't see Anaheim being the best spot for him. This guy is—he's somebody I'm really surprised hasn't got hasn't gotten more interest. I mean, I mean,
2: he's he's very good.
1: I mean, there aren't a whole lot of great center fielders, you know, out there. I mean, most teams have somebody that's good enough playing center field. I mean, the Mariners have Michael Saunders. I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) call him. Franklin Gutierrez. Yeah. You got somebody who's there, and the defensive specialist is, you know, isn't... Is Franklin
2: Gutierrez.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not incredibly valuable, you know, to the naked eye, but we see him, you know, saving 34 runs. You know, the value of a win is supposedly 10 runs that's three extra wins he's added you know in really one and a half seasons right just uh, just with his glove I
2: mean he's ridiculous defensively he he really is offensively the offense is why teams don't aren't willing to try for him
1: yeah yet, I mean he's, yet he's a risk but a team like Miami you know they're
2: <laughs> what do they have
1: <laughs> yeah I mean they're they're transitioning. But they have bullpen arms. Steve Ciszek, who closed for them after Heath Bell just imploded, is somebody you could see going to Anaheim. Yeah. I mean, the Marlins have a small amount of ammunition. You know, Ricky Nolasco could be potential trade bait, all-time franchise wins leader right there, which is moderately surprising.
2: (laughs) He's the only guy that's been there for more than a couple years.
1: Yeah, I mean, he beat out Dontrell Willis, I believe, last year. Dontrell Willis, he just... Didn't he sign with the Cubs? Yeah. Signed a minor league deal with the Cubs. That's somebody who's an interesting story. I mean, somebody you'd love to see get back.
2: It's an interesting story. I don't see anything from him.
1: I mean, he's somebody that had so much potential. He was so good with the Marlins. You know, was with them when they won the World Series in 2003. 2005 was breakout year. Won 22 games. 263 ERA, five shutouts. That's impressive. And then the trade to Detroit, and he just just lost it. You I know, mean, struggled had... with the anxiety disorder big time. Yeah. Pitched for Cincinnati in 2011, made 13 appearances. Struggled. One and
2: six with a five ERA.
1: I mean, there's somebody you could see maybe having a role as a left-handed specialist. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. The arm isn't there. No. So much anymore.
2: I, mean, I I would love to see him do well, but realistically, I uh, I, just, you, I don't you, see it from him.
1: You hate to see guys, you know, struggle with that anxiety disorder and not make it back. We saw Zach Grinky make it back, and you know he's made an incredible name for himself.
2: And he's made an incredible amount of money.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me started on the Grinky contract. But he's somebody who's very good. Right. when his average fastball velocity in 2003 when he came into the league was a little is, over 90 now down to it, about 87 and a half this is Dontrell Willis yeah Dontrell Willis it it's it's kind of sad I mean somebody who just had so much potential got so much hype and just literally hit a wall you don't normally see it being so drastic
2: where you just stop yeah you, you just you don't see you that. just
1: completely lose it like right away you see guys who slowly begin to lose their stuff other than that 22 win yeah
2: other than that 22 win season he never had a big season again i mean he was under 500 the rest of his career before he got traded
1: no 14 and 6 this first year
2: okay 14 and 6 10 and 11 22 and 10 so take out 2005 and then 12 and 12 10 and 5
1: also, I mean, he had a cup of coffee in the Orioles minor league system last year, only lasted four appearances, career year of 4.17. And this this kid just had all the potential in the world, and then he just ran into a wall. I mean, when it,
2: basically when he got traded, yeah, I, I mean, mean he went 10 and 15 the year before he got traded, but the team was awful.
1: Yeah, I mean that was a that was a pretty big trade, sending Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis to Detroit. I mean Detroit. Ended up pretty well in that yeah. deal, even though Willis you know. was a bust. I mean, getting Miguel Cabrera yeah. the best hitter in the game. I I, I don't even when, think there's an argument about that, that Miguel Cabrera is the best hitter in the game right now.
2: When that trade happened, though, Dontrell Willis was the key piece.
1: Yeah, he really was. Miguel, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera was a young was. outfielder, correct? Yeah. Um. Who did the Marlins? Do? No, third base. Third base? Third base. The Marlins did awful in that trade. Yeah, oh, they
2: didn't get anything.
1: The, their key pieces... None, that,
2: none of the players from that trade are still on the Marlins. Cameron Mabin was in that trade.
1: Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller was a big left-handed pitcher. Hard thrower out of North Carolina is... Yeah, now the sixth starter in Boston, or was. Cameron Maben has had a decent degree of success... Now in San Diego getting a big contract extension before last year. And looking like we are out of time. This was M&K in the midday. I'm Max. He's Kyle. We'll see you tomorrow at the same time.